Good to be in God's house Woo, today, man. Psalm 34, 3. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And we're gathering in today to worship God, to hear his word, to uh, pray together, to encourage each other. Uh, glad to be in God's house on the Lord's day in our Father's world. Amen. Going to come back to uh, holiness in preaching today. And another word. Uh, for holy would be Jesus. We want to live a holy life, live a life like Jesus would live if he were you, amen? And I uh, love this new song that uh, Lori taught us, I think just last week, right? We're going to begin with that. So as we continue to gather in, let's stand together and let's sing. Enter into our worship today. Now God's with us. Praise be to his name.
Lord, would you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence being here this morning. I am grateful that we get to walk into this room and see brothers and sisters all around us, Lord. And that you've been praying for us, Jesus. And standing in the gap for us all week. And Lord, I'm just grateful that we can come here and worship you freely. And I'm thankful for each person in this room, Lord. You know right where they stand. You know exactly what they're going through. And Lord, you hold them tight. And I'm so thankful for that, Father. And I just pray that this morning that we will take one of our feet and step forward into your presence. Because we can trust you. And we know that you're going to hold us wherever we're at. And you're going to move us forward in a way that is safe. Lord, I pray that you will be with us through the rest of this service, Lord. I pray that you will be with the kids back in the children's, Lord. Let their little hearts open up to you, Jesus. I pray that they will desire you in their life. That they will crave your word as they learn more and more of it. I pray for the teachers back there. I pray, Jesus, that you will give them the perfect words to speak to their little hearts. Lord, I pray for us in here as we move through our, through our service, Jesus. I just pray that you will be with Pastor Ben and Pastor Kelly. I pray that you'll be with us. And Lord, that we will just give you everything that we can of ourselves this morning. Lord, we love you. And we know you have good things planned. So Father, we just give you this service this morning. And I ask you to come in and move around and do what it is you see fit. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all you do for us, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids. Miss Tracy's back in the back. So any kids that are here, you meet with Miss Tracy. And the rest of us grown-ups are going to greet each other and say good morning. And welcome everybody here today. Worshiping together in God's house, we serve a mighty and incredible God. You may be seated. It's always good to be together. 
God, it, God smiles when his children gather. I just have a few things going on that I want to be sure and share with you. First of all, I would love for you to take out your connection card. Our good-looking ushers are going to be walking around with some extra handouts in case you missed that when you came in this morning. Just raise up your hand if you did not get one of our pink handouts and uh, be sure and get one of those. It has a connection card in here. And this, is, this helps us to stay connected. So if you are visiting with us, if you are here for the very first time, I would love to uh, contact you this week. So if you would just go ahead and uh, grab a pen and write down your contact information there um, on the front side of that. And if you're a regular attender here and any of your information has changed, I would love to be able to change that. So go ahead and mark that on the connection card as well. On the back of this is a um, place to put a prayer request. We love to be able to pray for you as we know that you pray for us because God works through our prayers. If there's anything that we can be praying about for you this week, please take a minute and jot that down there on your connection card. And in just a few minutes, our ushers are going to be coming to take our morning tithes and offerings. You can place this card in the offering plate and know that we are going to be praying for that request this week. Thank you so much for doing that. How many of you love a parade? Who doesn't love a parade? Well, our church is going to be in a Christmas parade December 3rd. I am so excited about this. And we are in need of some volunteers to help prepare for that parade. And what do you do when you're in a parade? You hand out candy, right? Don't you hand out candy? Doesn't that make a parade fun? Well, if we're going to hand out candy, we... <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> See, there's advantages and disadvantages to sitting in the front row, right? Here, one more over there. There we go. But it's fun to hand out candy at a parade, and so we need some donations of candy so that we can hand out candy from our float. Um, and so that, that information, again, is in that pink handout that you got this morning. And thank you so much for, for your help. And again, if you would like to volunteer, connection card. Write that down on the connection card with your name and let us know you are able to help out with that. Put your artistic talent to work. Thank you so much for doing that. Last night, we had an incredible time. The Prime Timers, which is 55, ages 55 and up. Ben and I just barely make it. Um, but we had the Prime Timers over to our house last night for a Thanksgiving dinner. It was incredible. Thank you, Kathy Meyer and Nancy Springston, for your leadership in this area. Again, if you want information on that, write that on the connection card. I will uh, give you a call and tell you all about the Prime Timers Ministry. It is incredible. Also, um, Samaritan Purse Christmas boxes. You saw them when you walked in. Those are due back next Sunday, the 20th. Thank you so much for making a difference for kids all around the world so that they get something for Christmas. 
We are being Christ's hands and feet when we do that. Also, I want to let you know that our church library, did you guys know we have a church library down the hall right through there? It is open for business, so take a few minutes, go back there, check out all those books and see if there's anything you would like to read. There is also a cart right out here in our foyer with some books um, that are available as well, so be sure and take a look at those. Um, also next Sunday, potluck. We are going to have a potluck dinner right here. Everyone is welcome, and you are welcome to bring a friend as well. Excellent opportunity to invite someone to come with you next week. We just ask that everybody bring a dish to share, so we'll have plenty of food, enough food for everybody, and the instructions again are in that pink handout. And thank you so much for doing that. Also, I want to let you know that our teenagers are at a district retreat in Estes Park this weekend. Many of you might already know that. Seven of our teens are there, and our fearless youth pastor is there with them. And we want to pray that they have a safe trip home and that they have had a powerful, incredible retreat together there in Estes Park. So thank you, Lord, for working in, our, in and through our teenagers. Well, before our ushers come and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings, let's hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 24, 1 to 6. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, our ushers are going to come forward and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. And again, I just encourage you to take that connection card and place that in the offering plate as it comes by. And thank you so much for being generous givers. God bless you.
Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither
Thank you. I heard you seated. We're going to teach you a new song this morning called Firm Foundation. The song that, that the title is really known by is He Won't. It talks about how he's not going to fail. He's proven himself through the ages. He's never failed, and he won't fail again. So those of you that may know it, sing extra loud so the people around you can hear you, and you can teach it to them. And the rest of you, it's really easy. You'll pick it up pretty pretty quick. But let these lyrics just soak in and kind of pray and just let God minister to you as he shows you how he's not going to fail or leave you. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, when everything around me is shaken, I've never been so glad that I put my faith in Jesus, he's
Simone, is it yours this morning? So far. Life brings plenty of rain and wind and flood. But if our life is built on Christ, we'll stand. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. Just a moment, Kelly's going to come and lead us as we uh, pray together. I'm going to invite uh, Corey and Sherry Smith to come and just kneel right here. They're flying out uh, tomorrow for Cleveland, Ohio, and Corey's got quite a significant heart-related surgery uh, in Cleveland on Thursday. And uh, maybe we could all stand, and I'm going to invite uh, some to just gather around Corey and Sherry here. And as Kelly leads us, uh, we're going to pray for them especially. And Let's just come to the Father who uh, knows what we need before we even ask, but in asking, we recognize... <laughs> Our need of him, amen. So Kelly, come on up and pray and lead us. And uh, let's pray for each other today. Uh, the Lord waits to hear a prayer and to answer. Praise be to his name. Let's pray together. Surely God is our salvation. 
we will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is our strength and our might, and he has become our salvation. We thank you and we praise you so much, Lord, for being our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that we do not have to fear. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust. Father, how I pray for each and everyone here today. I just pray, Father, that you will be at work in our hearts. Be at work in our minds, Lord. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us to trust in you and not be afraid. Father, I just thank you so much for Corey, and I just thank you, Lord, for his family. I thank you for Sherry, for Amber, and for all those, Lord, that, um, that he has just influenced here. I thank you for his incredible ministry, Lord, throughout the years here. Father, I pray that you will be with him as he goes in for this um, procedure on Thursday. I just pray, Father, that he will have your peace. I pray, Father, for successful surgery. I pray for a quick recovery and that you will bring them back here very, very soon. Be with this family, Lord. Give them your peace as well. And, Father, I think of others who are going through difficult times in our church. Lord, you know who they are. Lord, I just pray that you will surround them with your holy angels. Hold them tight. Father, help them. We pray for Lorraine, who's been dealing with a lot of pain. Just help her as she travels to deal with that pain. Father, we pray for Roland as he has just lost a brother. We pray, Jesus, that you will surround him with your love. Give him comfort and help. Be with others, Jesus. You know them. You know their hurts. You know their pain, their loneliness. Father, just please surround them and help them. We just thank you so much for that we can trust in you. We thank you, Jesus, that you just, um, even when we go through difficult times, you use those times to build our faith. You use those times to show us once and again that you love us and that you are there for us and that we can count on you no matter what. Father, we thank you for being with our teens this weekend. We thank you for these opportunities that you give them. We thank you for those seven teenagers that are there at Power Surge and how we pray, Jesus, that you opened up their ears and their hearts to you and to the message that you had for them. Father, we thank you for Pastor Scott and for his uh, love and devotion to our teenagers and just pray, Lord, you'll give them a safe trip home and pray, Lord, that as they spent time with you on the mountaintop, Lord, that they will bring that home with them and influence others because of it and grow in their faith. And, Father, I want to lift up those who have loved ones that do not yet know you. Father, we lift them up to you. We just pray that your spirit will be at work in their hearts, in their lives, that you'll draw them into a relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to have open eyes to the ways that you are at work in our world. Lord, you love us. You love this world, Lord. You died for us, Father, and you are at work here. Even though sometimes, Lord, it seems so dark, we know, Father, that you are at work. We thank you, Lord, for the church. We thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. We thank you that we have a family a church family that is walking this journey with us. Lord, we thank you that there are people that are praying for us. We thank you, Lord, that there are those that are there for us. 
We thank you, Jesus, that we can walk together through this life and encourage one another. Father, we just lift up anything in our hearts or lives that's not pleasing to you. We thank you, Jesus, that um, because of your death on the cross, we can be forgiven of sins. We don't have to live guilty, but we can live lives that are pure and holy, and we can be forgiven, Lord. Father, we want to come to you. We want to confess that sin to you and ask that you forgive us. Come into our lives, Lord. You are welcome. Come into our hearts, Father. Show us anything, Lord, that's not pleasing. Help us to surrender that to you and to move on and live our lives, Lord, the way that you want us to live them. Father, we just uh, also pray for Monday evening. We pray for our church board as they interview this pastoral candidate this Monday. Father, we just pray that you will continue to lead, guide, give wisdom. Father, we just are relying on you during this time in our church. And Father, we just thank you that you are reliable. And Father, just be with us now as we open up our ears to your word. Be with Ben as he preaches. Just help us, Father, to be obedient to you and to the call you have on our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Lord's good. Amen? What a privilege to pray. Think about that. The Lord of heaven and earth just heard our prayer, wants us to speak to him, and wants to speak to us. Speaking of prayer, we have a beautiful time of prayer that Lori plans for us every Wednesday night. Right now they're meeting in her office. Just in case anybody thought they needed to like sign up for that. Like it's a small group, and if you didn't sign up, you can't come now. Not true. Uh, come on out and pray. And if ever there's a day that we need to be gathering together to pray, it's these days. Amen? Wednesday evening. Anybody else noticing that uh, uh, when you kneel to pray, it's easier to get down than it is to get up at this stage? I think I'm going to start leading prayer meetings where we just stand in prayer. Good to be together. Last week, we prayed for our veterans. This is Veterans Day weekend, and uh, today I'd like for our veterans to stand, and we'd like to honor you on this Sunday after Veterans Day. Would you do that? All the veterans in the place. Thank you very much. We appreciate your service. If you've been around here these eight months, you know that I'm the son of a veteran. My uh, stepdad served U.S. Army, career Army. Two weeks after he married my mom, he shipped out for his second tour of duty in Vietnam. A year later, he came back, and we started moving around like uh, Army brats do. Uh, I got to appreciate, uh, in a new way, uh, the service that you render for our nation, and uh, we're grateful for it today. 
Good to have Kelly back with me. I think 10 days is too, too long to be apart. I think that might be the longest we've ever been apart. And uh, good to have her back uh, with us. Uh, she was back uh, east for her mom's 85th birthday. Her mom's a great lady, uh, my mother in love. She likes sending me funny things every once in a while, and I thought I'd share one of those with you. It's good to have a laugh once in a while. Read through that. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. In the same vein, let's go to that second slide. This will take a little bit more reading. Can you read that? Is it big enough? For all you retired guys out there, uh, I thought of you when I saw this. <laughs> and then perhaps uh, Kelly's mom had us in mind on this last slide, life in the mountains, I don't know, anyway. Now I will have to say that one of the disappointing things about our time in Woodland Park is that only Kelly has seen a bear and only once. I have yet to see one. I kind of like the idea of seeing a bear as long as it's from a distance. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Okay, down to preaching. A Holy Life of Love, uh, part two. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'd like to come back to that. The title, the title alone preaches. A holy life of love. Back when I was a kid, we had a fan, family friend named Old Susie. <laughs> she was named Old Susie because we had three Susies in our life at that stage. There was Aunt Susie who was married to my Uncle Bill. There was Susie Beekman, the mother of a little girl in my first and second and maybe third grade class that I had a little bit of a crush on. In fact, I remember giving her a ring that I got out of a Cracker, cracker Jack box. Yeah, Kelly might say that my taste in jewelry hasn't changed much in all these years. <laughs> and then there was old Susie, and she was old. She was a family friend, worked with uh, my mom's dad, worked for my mom's dad, and knew my mom from, I think, uh, you know, a little girl on. And uh, one of those friends that was always there uh, for my mom, especially for my family. She was especially there for my mom when my mom and dad divorced. She would tell my mom that uh, she prayed for her every day. And I remember in seminary years later, uh, I was in Kansas City, and my mom called and told me that old Susie had died. And I distinctly remember the next morning waking up. I was a school bus driver, Dick, in my seminary years and got up before the sun. And after my first route, would get back up on the highway and the sun would come up. And, and I remember that morning distinctly feeling like something was missing in the world because old Susie was gone. I still feel that today. Got to thinking about her this week, and, and I thought, that's the kind of life I want to live. That when I'm going, something seems to be missing from the world. Talking about a holy life of love. Last Sunday, I ended part one of this message by saying that a holy life is not an easy life. You may have uh, remembered my saying that if I were just making something up to 
to make me feel better, which some people think religion is, the opiate of the people and all the rest, I would have left a lot of this out because it's hard stuff. It's not easy to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to forgive, to love your enemy, to pray for those who despitefully use you. In fact, I had a conversation this week with a guy that believes that very thing, and it was a great conversation. He had a good spirit in kind of uh, putting that view out there, but uh, it's not an easy life. The choice to follow Jesus is not a choice to take an easy path. I'd like to begin part two by saying that a holy life of love is a beautiful life. It should be. I think we underemphasize, underestimate the place of something like beauty in the Christian life. And we don't always see beauty or emphasize beauty enough in the commands of God and in doing what's right. A lot of folks see Christianity as a long list of things we can't do. That's why I'm lingering here a bit. We can help them see and perhaps can see for ourselves the beauty of a life lived in obedience to God's commands, which are all for our good. I think about the husband and wife that stay faithful to each other for a lifetime. I'm thinking of a Dwight and Louise Fuller back home. Uh, from Maine, and uh, long, uh, long after Louise's body, long before Louise's body wore out, her mind uh, did, and it wasn't uh, too long before Dwight had to uh, to put Louise in a facility where they could care for her better. But it, there wasn't a day in all the years that she lived that he didn't get in his little Green Ranger pickup truck to go spend that day with Louise. Just the love and devotion there, the faithfulness over time. It's a beautiful thing. Think about the one who doesn't steal or cheat or covet, but is generous with their time, with their material possessions, with their money, is out there helping people. I think about the peacemakers who uh, wade into a situation or into a relationship and bring a calm and, and peace to that. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Now, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> Amen? But it's a beautiful thing to see someone repent, to turn from that, to recognize that, to be humble about that, to, to make things right where they can. It's a beautiful thing to see those that, that, that hang with those that have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Christian life, this holy life of love is a, is a beautiful thing. Old Susie lived a beautiful kind of life. I've known lots of others over the course of time that have lived that kind of life, and I've met some here. Praise be to his name. As in everything, Jesus is our example. Think of Jesus and Zacchaeus. I just imagine Jesus looking up in that tree that Zacchaeus had scurried up with a big smile on his face and, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I got to go stay at your house today. Thought about Jesus and the woman at the well. 
Jesus with those children the parents brought to him, that he took the time for Jesus sitting across the table from Nicodemus, extending that love, that grace, while not compromising the truth. There is a love that isn't holy. There is a holiness that isn't loving. We need a holy life of love. And it's not an easy life, but it's a good life. It's the only truly good life. And it's a beautiful thing. Well, let's come back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll focus on the portion that begins at verse 22, picking up where we left off last week. But I'd like to go back to verse 13 and just uh, walk down through that whole passage. So 1 Peter 1 at verse 13. The Apostle Peter. Think of that. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers and sisters, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That first, therefore, as I uh, noted last week in verse 13, connects this passage with that letter opening celebration of the hope we have in Jesus, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And, and Peter goes on in that 10th verse in the first chapter to say that the prophets, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and indeed the angels in heaven long to see what we have now seen in the person of Christ. That's an awesome thing, that the angels in heaven are poised to see what we see. We're a part of this uh, larger story, this, this grand drama, this gospel drama in life. And then look at what follows the passage that we've read, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 2, a reminder of our purpose as his church. As you come to him, Peter goes on to write, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, 
you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There again, the bigger story. And we've got to keep that larger truth, that bigger picture, that gospel in front of us always. The apostles did. And they kept the gospel in front of the church in their preaching and in their letters. Why am I serving in the nursery? Somebody's probably back there asking themselves that question right now. Why am I leading worship for a church? Why am I driving seniors to their appointments? Why am I buying toys for Christmas boxes? Why am I doing what's right? Why am I taking the the high road? Why am I loving my neighbor, even the one whose dog is always poo-pooing in my front yard? Why? Because there's a God in heaven, and he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, and that God has invited you and I as Christ's followers to partner with him in saving the world. That's why we do it. And we've got to keep that big picture in mind every day, the gospel in front of us every day, or we will get weary and well-doing. Amen? Okay, back to the text. You guys notice that I take a long time to get to the sermon and then do a lot of these side things? In part one, we read uh, Peter's instruction last Sunday. Prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on God's grace, be holy in all you do, live as strangers in reverent fear, and now at the end of verse 22, we come to his next instruction, love one another deeply from the heart. This from Peter's first letter to churches. One another always refers to relationships within the church. Of course, we are to love everyone, love your neighbor. But it begins right here. I believe as I read scriptures and live life that God intends for us in our love for each other to model love for the world. Love one another. That command is everywhere in the New Testament. Jesus gave his disciples that command in a new way on the night that he was betrayed, the night before the cross. You see it in the apostles' letters to the churches. Love one another. But I had to ask myself as I came back to this passage, uh, why here in Peter's letter does he add qualifying words? Love one another deeply from the heart. You go to the beginning of verse 22, a sincere love for their brothers and sisters was a result of God's purifying, sanctifying work in them and their obedience to the truth. But then Peter goes on to say, love one another deeply from the heart. It may be that Peter is just saying, keep that love up and let it grow. He does use two different words for love. First, that sincere love for brothers and sisters is, can anybody guess? It's a city in the east. 
Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. That's the Greek word there. And then in Peter's encouragement to love one another deeply, he uses the Greek word agapao, to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly. And he says to do that from the heart. Let your love come more and more from the very core of who you are. And it will, as we continue to let God work more and more in the deepest parts of our heart. I'm wondering if, as Peter penned those words, he was thinking of Jesus' love for him. I went back to John 21, post-resurrection, Jesus died, raised from the dead. He's appeared to the apostles three times, and I reread that uh, little uh, story about Jesus on the bank, has breakfast cooking. The disciples are out in the boat, they had been fishing all night, no fish again, Jesus yells at to them, you know, throw the net on the other side. They do haul in a load. They realize this is Jesus. Peter jumps in the water, swims to shore. They have breakfast. That's one of the most beautiful pictures in the New Testament there. And that got me to thinking, what must it have been like for, G- or for Peter to see Jesus for the first time after the resurrection? Because you remember how Peter's uh, time with Jesus ended prior to the resurrection fled along with the other disciples from the garden, denied he even knew the guy in the outer courts while Jesus was being tried. Can you imagine how Peter felt? But Jesus forgave, Jesus restored, Jesus' love was there for Peter. I wonder if he was thinking about that as he penned these words. Peter had been deeply loved. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he washed Peter's feet. And in the days following the resurrection, Jesus assured Peter he still loved him. Before moving on, we cannot miss the intimate connection between holiness and love. Between God's purifying, sanctifying work and relationships. From the New Beacon Bible Commentary. As always in the New Testament, obedience to and love for God are not limited to personal and spiritual life. It's more than keeping our own nose clean. Rather, true love and obedience to God penetrate daily life and keenly affect the relationship of believers with others. First of all, within the church. And that's why God calls us together, why he calls us together, why church is more than attendance at a service on a Sunday morning. We're called to be in relationship with each other in his church. And then with our neighbor, with those that we encounter Uh, life, encounter in life. The Christian life, a holy life of love, isn't a solo flight. It involves others. Amen? Continuing the quote, the holy life is first, simply and continually, letting God in Christ love us to the depth of our need, 
and in turn sharing that love with others. That's at the heart of Christian faith. In his book, uh, In Jesus' Name, Henry Nouwen, that Harvard professor that uh, God called to go work with uh, mentally handicapped adults in his later years, a remarkable man. In that book, he reminds us that Christians are called, first of all, to abide in Christ. John 15, that's relationship. In John 21, Jesus asked Peter the most important question three times, do you love me? And after every yes, Jesus said then, take care of, feed my sheep. Our relationship with Christ always leads to relationship with each other. My number one prayer request for years and years was for wisdom. I think especially when I was a young pastor, I needed lots of wisdom, still do. But in recent years, my number one prayer request has been for love. More love, deeper love. I think if we're honest, uh, life can kind of wear us down, i.e., people can kind of wear us down. I mean, people can disappoint us. People can take advantage of us. I'm self-reflecting right now. I don't know that I've taken advantage of people, but I certainly have disappointed people. So that keeps me humble. But none of us as believers can get to the place where we're soured on loving others. We just can't. Well, going on, verse 23. Peter gives us the reason for loving. We've been born again. We've been made new, and love is at the heart of that. I said a few weeks ago that God's sanctifying work in us is restoring the image in which we were created in the beginning, the image of God, an image profoundly marred by sin, but not beyond restoring. Someone has described us as glorious ruins, still a measure of goodness in us because we were created by a good God, but ruins that need rebuild and restore. I believe that at the heart of what it means to be made in the image of God is the capacity to love and be loved. There's other things as well, self-awareness, the ability to think. But that capacity to be loved and to love is at the heart of what it means to be made in the image of God. Sin's most profound effect was on that capacity. The most profound effect of the fall was on human relationships and we still see that playing out all the time. Amen. And that's what God in his saving, sanctifying work is restoring. As he breaks the power of sin in our lives. And in his healing and helping us in what I would call the collateral damage of sin. I'm saved, sanctified, believe I'm doing my best to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. God is still working in me, and there is still work to do. Peter says we are born again by the imperishable seed of the living and enduring Word of God. Can we think about the Word of God for just a bit and its role in the new birth and this holy life of love? What do we have here? What is this? 
tempted to say it's the Word of God. I would describe it as the written record, inspired and preserved, the written record of the Word and work of God on the plane of human history. A.W. Tozer, I like coming back to him a lot. He reminds us that its highest purpose is to make God himself known. He writes, the Bible is not an end in, of, in, in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. Dallas Willard, former USC a professor and a believer, author, writer, says God never leaves this alone. In the hands of the Holy Spirit, he uses this to make himself known, to, to speak to us, to guide us, to encourage us, to give us hope, to check us up. I'm emphasizing this because relationship is at the heart of Christian faith, and too many people miss that. For too many people, Christianity is just another set of rules. It's not at the heart. It's a relationship with the living God. And this is his primary means of speaking to us. And communication is key to any relationship. Some can know their Bible backward and forward, but not be born again. Not have that relationship with God. John chapter 5. Jesus said this to the religious leaders of his day. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I was in St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Westerville, Ohio, back in May when I went to check in on my mom and visit my oldest daughter. Beautiful service, very liturgical. Uh, they have a, a point in the service, I think it's at the very beginning, where they process in and they have incense. Now, this was in a room about a quarter of this size. I think the ratio of incense to square footage was a little high because two people had to leave. I mean, it was suffocating. Anyway, they had a bishop from uh, a country in Africa there as a guest speaker that day, and he said this, some people grow up in church but never grow in Christ. They know hymns but don't know him. And I would add, they know the scriptures, but don't know the Savior. The word of God is bigger than these scriptures, and the scriptures themselves speak of that. It was by the word of God that he spoke this world into existence. It's by the word of God that we're born again. The word of God is living and active. The word of the Lord stands forever. And Peter says, this is the word that was preached to you and to me. Thanks be to God. Chapter 2, verse 1. There's another therefore that connects what Peter is about to write to what he's just written. We are called to be holy, to love one another deeply from the heart. Therefore, rid yourselves of, and Peter lists Five things. Before we walk down through those five things, let's allow those two words, rid yourselves, to remind us that in this holy life of love, there will be some things to lay down, to lay aside. 
Sometimes that will be my pride or my agenda. There will be some things to leave behind. My past failures, perhaps my spouse's past failures, my friend's past failures. There will be some things to put off. I thought of Hebrews chapter 12. As we run this race, the writer says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Actually, I thought of a garage. What is a garage intended for? Your car. What do half of the garages in these United States not have in them? A car. Why? Because there's all kinds of other junk in there. And if it's going to be what it was intended to be and you're going to get that car in there out of the rain and snow and cold, you're going to have to get rid of some stuff. Amen. Peter gives us five things here. And actually, in honor of these five things and the language in the Greek there, I have a trash can ready to go. And I have a few people that are going to help me this morning. Right there it is. These things don't belong in a holy life of love. And they're all detrimental to the relationships that are at the heart of Christian faith. We're in verse 1 of chapter 2. Peter says, God says, get rid of malice. Malice is a general word for anything done or said that is meant for evil, that is meant to do someone wrong. I just want you to know that these people coming up do not represent these things themselves. Remember, evil in the scriptures is really something that falls short of God's good and pleasing and perfect will. Simply that. It doesn't have to be horrendous. It doesn't have to be a heinous crime. It doesn't have to be pillage and plunder. It could be putting someone down or intentionally sending your dog into that neighbor's yard to do you know what. Peter says, get rid of malice. And notice the presence of the word all before this list and of every kind after, emphasizing that there should be absolutely none of any of this in the life of someone who has been born again. Get rid of malice. Peter says get rid of deceit. Get rid of deceit. The Greek word used here originally meant bait. And came to be used to describe someone who took advantage of others. We got to get rid of it, Frank. Get rid of hypocrisy. William Barclay, that uh, British commentator, says this describes a person who all the time is concealing their real motives, who meets you with a face which is different from their heart and with words which are different from their real feelings. We've got to get rid of that. We're three for three so far. I'm hoping somebody doesn't miss the dunk. Get rid of malice, get rid of deceit, get rid of hypocrisy, get rid of envy. This might describe a person who wishes better for themselves than for others. It could also be translated jealousy. We've got to get rid of envy. Four for four. 
Finally, get rid of slander. Slander is the habitual disparagement of others, usually behind their backs. Third-person compliments are awesome. I love hearing somebody say, you know, the other day I heard from somebody that you are just a great pickleball player. But third-person criticism is bad news. Got to get rid of slander. Nice. Instead, with God's help, we can let our words build each other up. We can be happy for others. Paul said, rejoice with those who rejoice. We can be real and genuine. We can be honest and pure in our motives. We can be good. All part of a holy life of love. Verse 2, winding down. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. During one of our visits back east when we got to see our granddaughter, Emmy, I'll have to say I was a little taken aback when she was nursing. I don't remember that from our kids. It's like, I said, come up for breath, Emmy. Holy smokes. But when babies are hungry, they let you know. They go after it. Peter says we should be that way in our spiritual lives. In other places in the New Testament, milk is associated with Christians who weren't progressing as they should. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, but you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. But here... Pure spiritual milk most certainly refers back to the Word of God. And the hunger of a new baby is given as an example of the kind of desire we ought to have for God's Word. Why? Verse 2, so that we may grow up in our salvation. (laughs) So that we can go on, go on to maturity. And just to connect some dots here, going back to an Ephesians 4 passage we've preached from, so that the body of Christ, that's us, may be built up. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Why is that important? Our growth is not only for our own good, but for the good of the family and the good of the church and the growth of our family and of our church is not just for the good of our family and church, but for the good of the community that we live in and the country that we're a part of and the world that we're in. That God has called us to love and reach and serve. We are wholly set apart for the purposes of God. (laughs) Remember when Promise Keepers was big? Back in the 80s, 90s, and I remember going to a stadium event in RFK and hearing a message by Dr. Tony Evans. Love that guy. Love that style of preaching. I love it when preachers just get fired up and they're sweating and just going to town, man. That's my kind of preaching. And I remember this message he preached at that stadium event to uh, 40, 45,000 men that had gathered there for 
for promise keepers, and he said, you know what, uh, men, if you're a dysfunctional man that hasn't let God work into the deepest parts of your heart, you're going to have a dysfunctional family. And if you have a dysfunctional family, you're going to have a dysfunctional neighborhood. And if we have dysfunctional neighborhoods, we're going to have dysfunctional communities. And if we have dysfunctional communities, we're going to have a dysfunctional country. And if we have dysfunctional countries, then we're going to have a dysfunctional world. He was just going to town. But that's really, that's really right. God changes the world one changed heart and life at a time. And the change that God can make in me and in you has a ripple effect in your family, in your neighborhood, community, country, and all across this world and down through time. It's an awesome thing. Crave God's word. Go on in the saving grace of God because haven't we all, verse 3, tasted that the Lord is good. Haven't we? Let's drink it in. Let's drink him in, more of him, and with him a holy heart and a life of love. The end. Here's how I'd like to end this service. I'd like to stand this service thinking about and praying for us. We've got a lot to celebrate these days. A lot of things that you have accomplished in these last eight months, especially, as we've come out of COVID and some tough transitions in the life of our church. We've got a phone and a phone number now. Only two calls have come in. One was that call I made a few Sundays ago, remember, up here, and I left a message. Well, doggone it, I never got a call back, so I had to call again. Those are the two calls. We've got a lot to celebrate. But there is nothing more important than what God is doing in us and in the relationships that we have with each other. Love that new paint out on the wall, guys, that did that. Uh, we're going to have some new signs. We, we have small groups. We've got ponds. We've got all kinds. But nothing more important than what God does in us and among us in our relationships. You're searching and praying for a new pastor, and that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But in regards to the health and future of this church as if not more important than getting a, a strong leader who's spiritually healthy is being strong and healthy ourselves. The future and life of this church doesn't rise or fall on the person who's standing where I am today. It's important. It rises or falls on our own spiritual health and love for each other. A few weeks ago, we read a passage from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. I want to end the service today praying over it together. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like us all to stand right now. And I'd like us to make a circle around these chairs, bring it right up here on the platform so Kelly and I can be in the circle. Can you do that? So just uh, move about the cabin. I'm not expecting any turbulence. And let's see if we can just make one big circle all around these chairs. 
And in just a moment, we're going to hear this passage from Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to pray with our eyes open today. And then Kelly's going to send us on our way. It would be good for us to hold hands. Now, theologically, if we don't close this circle, that's going to be a really bad thing. Uh, I was hoping for enough people here to make a good full circle. Take some time and look around. Here's your church family. Some of you have been around here for decades, some just a few weeks. But we've been called together. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive. As the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Father, this morning we pray with our eyes wide open. To those that somehow in your providence you've called us to share this journey of faith with. And we would confess that we've all fallen short in some of those virtues that you've called us to. And we ask you to forgive us. And we're grateful for your grace. We pray for grace today, and in all the days ahead, to be exactly who you want us to be. Grace to extend grace when others aren't. Give us the kind of love for each other that hopes all things, endures all things, never gives up. Thank you for your church. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your love for us. Pray that everyone here today would experience that. I pray that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Kelly's going to send us out. Don't move. We've been challenged. We've been encouraged and we've been given hope today. And we're going to go out into a world that needs all of those. And the Spirit is going with us. We're not going out alone. But He is going with us to empower us to live the life that He has called each and every one of us to live. So go in the power of the Spirit. Have a wonderful day and a great week. We love you. God bless you. You are dismissed.